0: Let's pray for God's blessing on his word Lord we do look to you and as we've already sung we trust that your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path and we ask this morning that you would be the one who would teach and guide us as we seek to know Christ better as we seek to follow him more closely and we pray that your word would be living and active in our own hearts and minds each and every day so that we would serve him more faithfully, and know Him more dearly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, we've started this uh, new brief series on the renewed Christian mind. And last week we talked about how the renewed mind, the person that has a, a new spiritual mind, you might say, is one who actually knows God and is capable of knowing God, the greatest joy of life. And the more you've tasted the pleasure of knowing God, the more you actually want to know him better. And the question is, well, how do you do that? And so today we come to the second part of this series, and that is the renewed mind meditates upon the word of God. So I'm going to read from Psalm 1 and then also from 2 Timothy Chapter 3, you'll find Psalm 1 on page 448 of the Pew Bible and 2 Timothy 3 verses 14 through 17 on page 996 of the Pew Bible. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Paul writes to Timothy in 2nd Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. I can remember senior year of high school, I was taking it was either a history class or a political science class. and I think I was one of the last people in on the first day of class, and so I was assigned a seat on the front row. And one day at some point during the semester, as I was listening to the teacher lecture, something caught my eye and I turned and looked beside me and the person next to me had their head down on the desk and was asleep. And then I kept turning and looked and there were other people asleep and I turned all the way around and realized everybody in the room was asleep except for me. But the amazing part was that I looked up at the teacher and he just kept going. He didn't miss a beat. And then all of a sudden I felt pressure. The spotlight was on me. I had to listen now because he was actually just talking to me and not to anyone else. And so it was though I had to sort of carry the ball for the rest of the class and make sure that I paid attention to what he was saying. And there was a bit of a burden in that. Sometimes the Christian life is a little bit like that. We start off eager. We want to know the Scriptures. We want to know God through the Scriptures. And then at some point along the way, maybe things crowd out that effort. And before long, reading becomes a duty. Studying the Scriptures becomes a duty, a more wearisome task to us. Something that we're not so eager to do when it all of a sudden is something that we feel like we have to do and it becomes a great burden to us. Psalm 1 here presents two different paths. The path of the blessed person, the path of the righteous person, the path that ends in glory, and then also the path that ends in destruction. And the psalmist recognizes that for the true believer there are many distractions in life. He says in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. He's talking about three different avenues of life. The avenue of our minds. Those who walk in the counsel of the wicked. Then there's those who stand in the way of sinners. It's the avenue of our behavior the way in which we act based on what we think and then finally those whose attitudes are seared against God who sit in the seat of scoffers and you notice there's a there's a progression there you're out on a walk and before long someone comes alongside you and walks with you and you begin to listen to them and maybe you're very interested in what they have to say and so you you sit down on a park bench and you begin to talk Together and have fellowship with one another. And that's really the progression here is that the sinful person has come alongside you and led you astray from knowing God. And yet the blessed person is the one who is able to resist all of that and whose delight is in something else. Verse 2 His delight is in the law of the Lord. Maybe we ought to say it in the Word of God. His delight is in the Scriptures where God reveals Himself to be Lord and Savior. And so the blessed person, the one who has a a fruitful life, who flourishes, that's the person who actually delights in the Scriptures because they recognize that that's where I am able to know God. And yet, as I said a few minutes ago, that's... Oftentimes, where Christ begins to get squeezed out of our lives. When the tyranny of the urgent takes over. Or when the career path that we have chosen for ourselves all of a sudden begins to crowd out everything else and this becomes all consuming in my life and I must pursue this and, and get rid of all the extraneous things, including Jesus. And before long, I have a singular focus on something other than knowing Christ. And my delight is no longer in His Word and in knowing Him. But you see, if you, if you find the person who treasures and delights knowing God, you also find the person who treasures and delights in the Word of God. Because that's where God reveals Himself. You remember how Jesus said to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that all the law and the prophets were about Him, that they had misunderstood what it had said, and they really revealed Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that when we come to the Scriptures, the thing that we're coming to do is actually to know Jesus better, not simply to find more morals or guidance for life, but actually to know Christ better. And when that's our delight, then we delight in the Word of God. We want to know it. We want to absorb it. We want to treasure it. We want to know it through and through because that's where we find Christ. And to know Christ instead of being drawn away by all the other distractions of life that would lead us astray from Him, then we need to do several things. Here's the first. That Christian who knows Christ and delights on His Word will meditate on the word meditate on the word that's what he says in verse 2 on his law he meditates day and night now there's a primacy of the mind in the christian life that is to say there's uh, the mind is a form of a gatekeeper and the psalmist recognizes that That's why he says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. The counsel of the wicked has a way of getting into our minds and shaping our thinking about God and about life, about what's good. And when we give into that counsel, to that different way of thinking, then we find ourselves on the wrong path. And so here the psalmist is recognizing the, the primacy of the mind in the Christian life and how important it is that we be tuned into the Scriptures and have God's way of thinking hold sway in our lives so that we're driven by what He says is true and right and good. Because whatever shapes a person's thinking shapes their lives. That's why Paul said to the Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Because it's through the mind that God wants to impress His gospel of grace upon our hearts and write His law upon our lives so that we live for Him when we meditate upon the Word. That means we're not merely collectors of Bible information. We're not merely collectors of Bible information, but rather there's a spiritual work that takes place in the person who delights in knowing Christ so that they come to the Scriptures to meditate upon it. Now what does that mean, to meditate? Sometimes we think of getting out our yoga mat, sitting on the floor and humming. But that's not what the Bible speaks of when it speaks of meditating. A quote from J.I. Packer may help us here. This is from his book, Knowing God. He says, how can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? That is to say, in knowing God. The rule for doing this is demanding but simple. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading into prayer and praise to God. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. So you're calling to mind the things that you know are true from God's Word. And you're considering those things in light of what is going on in your life, in light of the things that you are facing, in light of the false beliefs that you've had, in light of the directions that you've been going, and you begin to chew on those things. In other words, you're beginning to think in the truth of the Scriptures. Thinking it in, turning it over in your mind, wrestling with it at times, like Jacob wrestled with God until God blessed him. Examining it from all sides. and Making connections and putting things together. Oh, that's what God has been trying to tell me about myself. All of these years. That's what He's been trying to tell me about being a father. That's what He's been trying to tell me about living under His sovereign rule for all these years. When we are beginning to think in the truth that God reveals to us about Himself. And then we begin to pray it through. We begin to pray it through and ask for His help and His wisdom and insight. So that we begin to contemplate the truth of God's Word in a way that it humbles us. And we actually bow down before Him in prayer, confessing our sins and our frailties and our weaknesses, our need of His grace, and praising Him for who He is, His love and His grace and His mercy towards us. And so we're thinking it in, and we're praying it through, and then we're also working out its implications in our lives with specific applications. So that when I begin to understand God's sovereignty, and I begin to think it through and pray it through, then I realize now I've got to apply it in life. I've actually got to submit to it. So when He brings things my way, I can say, it is well with my soul as the hymn writer says. So meditation involves our mind. It involves praying. And it involves our whole being coming to God and saying, I want to give myself over to these particular truths. Like Henry Light, who is a hymn writer and also a pastor, he wrote a very famous hymn that we've sung a number of times, Jesus, I my cross have taken. He was born in Scotland in 1793. His father was a ship captain who eventually abandoned him and his mother. His mother knew the Bible well and taught Henry, but his mother died when Henry was just nine years old and he became an orphan. Eventually, a pastor took him under his wing and began to raise him and care for him. When he graduated from college, he wanted to be a minister of the gospel, and so He was ordained to gospel ministry in South Dublin, and he began his ministry there. During that time, he met Reverend Abraham Swain. They got to know each other as friends, and eventually Abraham became sick, and Henry would go visit him and spend much time with him while he was sick before he died. And both of them lamented the fact that they were such poor, lost people who did not know God very well. And the two of them, while Henry was sitting beside Abraham's bed, began studying the Scriptures together to know God better. And eventually Henry wrote these words, I began to study my Bible and preach in, an all, uh, in an another manner than I had previously done. And after his friend had died, and Henry had grown to know God better through the Word. He wrote this hymn, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken all to leave and follow Thee, destitute, despised, forsaken. Thou from hence, my all shall be. Here's a man who is studying the Word and meditating upon it. And it's having an impact on his heart and life and transforming him so that he could say, Thou from hence, my all shall be. Be everything to me, God. And this is the very kind of life that the Apostle Paul wanted for Timothy. That's why he wrote to him in his very last letter to Timothy, speaking about those who distort the truth, and then saying, But as for you, Timothy, continuing what in you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise. For salvation through Christ Jesus. The Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. That you might know Jesus better. And he goes on to say, All Scripture is breathed out by God. That is to say, it's a product of God's work. It's His Word to us. And when we delight in it, all of a sudden we realize God is speaking, and He's speaking to me. Sort of like my history professor. Where all of a sudden, I'm the one that he is speaking to. And I realize, as Paul says here, that it's profitable for me. It teaches me about who He is. It reproves me. It shows me my error. It corrects me. A a word that's used to describe the, the setting of bones or the rebuilding of a city wall. In other words, it restores me. And finally, it trains me in righteousness. So that I'm competent, complete, able to serve God at every turn. Now, it's a great struggle for us, I think, at times and in various seasons to give ourselves to meditation upon the word. We we live in a culture of instant success, right? We want things to work and we want them to work now. We want nine easy steps to something. We want to learn a foreign language in six short weeks. And we want to know God in just a short period of time. And there's no instant way of being matured in the Christian faith, but rather the consistent and steady work of maturing in the Scriptures. Jesus says, out of the heart flow all of the actions. And it's only when our hearts are saturated, you might say, with the Scriptures that we know actually how to live for Him. Think about the last time that you were in crisis mode and you had to make a very quick decision. Sometimes we make good and wise decisions and sometimes we don't. But you see, it's actually because we've spent our lives knowing God and the Scriptures and meditating upon Him Chewing on them and thinking about all the implications of the word for our lives. That when we get into crisis mode, we actually know what to do. Because God's been transforming us from the inside out for all of those years. So here we are called day and night, he says, to meditate upon the word. And when that process takes place. Then, what takes place in verse 1 goes in a completely different direction. Where now I'm walking in the counsel of Jesus. I'm standing on his path. And I'm sitting with him in fellowship. All because I've been meditating upon his word. Well, the second two things are much shorter than that, and let me say them very quickly. Those who meditate on the Word discover that, secondly, they prosper spiritually. Verse 3 says this from Psalm 1, He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that He does, He prospers. There's a sense of flourishing spiritually. Where the leaf does not wither. Now that does not mean that there are not seasons of drought. But rather to say that when drought comes. This person is able to withstand it. That there are nutrients. There are resources that continue to water this person. Because they've spent years knowing God in the word. Years meditating upon the truth of who God is. So that it continues to nourish our hearts even in the midst of great hardship there's a man by the name of Henry Martin who was a missionary in India in the 19th century and when he sailed away from England he sailed away from the love of his life and when he was on the ship he thought about how he was being cut off from all of his friends from his beloved from all the hopes that he would have for a comfortable life he was leaving all of that behind And over time, he at various seasons went through various times of difficulty where life was hard, where he faced trials of many kinds as James tells us in James chapter 1. But every time he would come back to God and what he knew of God, and he says this, I took it as my portion from God. All those various trials I am bound to consider and receive as the fruits of divine wisdom and love towards me." Now here's a man who's able to meditate on the Word in such a way that he recognizes that all these things that I'm going through are the product of infinite wisdom and divine love towards me. So that even in this circumstance, I prosper spiritually. I am nourished and I do not wither away. Think about all the figures in the Bible who did this. Think about Daniel in the lion's den or going into the great furnace and still being nourished and prospering spiritually. Think about Paul in the Philippian jail. What was he doing when the earth shook? There was a great earthquake and the jailer came in. Paul and his friends were singing hymns and praising God. Or think about when Paul was in Rome writing to the Philippians and he was under house arrest and he said to the Philippians, I want you to know this, that what has happened to me has really happened to advance the gospel. He's putting the truth to work so that what he knows about God's providence. What he knows about God's infinite wisdom. What he knows about God's sanctifying mercies and love. What he knows about how God uses trials. All of those things come to bear upon him and he's able to think about them in such a way that now I'm able to prosper in the midst of great struggle so that my leaf does not wither. And ultimately, it leads to this. And this is the final thing. Those whose life is built on the Word and prosper spiritually they enjoy the presence of God verses five and six here say this therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish that is to say those who do not know Christ in faith who who live for themselves will never be welcomed in God's presence but what it says here for the righteous person, for the person who trusts Jesus, for the person who delights in His Word and meditates upon it. You see, that person is known by God. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That doesn't mean that God simply knows what path you're on. But it rather means that He knows it intimately. He's there with you. And when you meditate upon His Word, you realize that to be true. And when you prosper spiritually, you realize that to be true. So that you could say with the psalmist in Psalm 139, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that's the place of death. You are there. And God is there. God is there through His Word and in the power of His Spirit to convince us over and over. I know your way because I am with you, guiding you all the way. It's what the psalmist Asaph says in Psalm 73. I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you receive me into glory. Now that's not something that you can share with someone else. And it's an experience that you have to go through all by yourself when you begin to realize the presence of God and His delight at knowing you and being with you and your delight at knowing Him and being with Him. Sometimes people say, that can't be true. There's no way that it could be that good. And yet the person of Psalm 1, this blessed person who lives this flourishing life says yes it is that good if only you would give yourself to God if only you would take delight in knowing him in his word and meditate upon who he is he will show you it really is that good I have a friend who took his children a number of years ago to Disney World and they debated whether or not to go on a particular ride that was somewhat of a, a scary ride for young children. But the children begged, and so they went on the ride anyway. And He sat next to his daughter, and his son sat behind them in the car. And while they were on the ride, it was, I believe, an indoor ride, and it was dark, and there were you know, lights and figures that would jump out and scary things that were being said. And in the speakers in the car, things were constantly being blasted, in their ears, voices that were speaking to them. And throughout the ride, he would lean over to his daughter and and he would speak to her about the things that were being flashed up on the screen and the things even that they were hearing, the voices. And he would explain them so that she realized what they really were. And when they got off the ride, she was happy and excited. She had a great time. But the son, when he got off, he was petrified. Because you see, he had been hearing in his ears those screams and the voices the whole time. And he didn't have the other voice of his father saying, now let me tell you what's true. And friends, we can be given to hearing the counsel of the rest of the world be led down the wrong path, a path that ultimately leads to destruction. Or we can hear the voice of our Heavenly Father who's saying all the time, here's who I am, and I mean to bless you. Trust in me and delight in my word, and I will make myself known to you. What a glorious God we have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your mercies in Christ. Lord, we pray that we would be a people who delight in them so much that we meditate upon Your Word That we take it all in. And that you give us grace to receive it well. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.